Welcome to the sermon podcast of Redemption Church. The following sermon is by our longtime friend and member, Scotty Miser. So I want to start off with a story. About two weeks ago, uh, Julie and Amanda ran a half marathon in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. Uh, Not the same middle of nowhere that I grew up in, but similar aesthetically. And Ian and I were in supportive husband mode. It's like, awesome, wives run, we will wait here for them to get back, I guess. (laughs) Um, But we said, no, 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 we can do a little bit better than that. We can do better than that. We'll meet them at the halfway point. So we do that. We get in Ian's car. I find directions to the particular point in the middle of nowhere that we need to be. And uh, we're listening to, I mean, whatever Ian's got on his iPhone, a lot of show tunes, a lot of Weird Al Yankovic. And I believe it is Weird Al Yankovic that is playing as uh, a man walks into the middle of the road, waving his arms, letting us know that we cannot proceed. And as we look past him, we see a pickup truck completely turned over on its side. The man says there's been a terrible accident. Uh, The EMS folks are not here. 911's been called. We need people to be at the intersection where cars are coming so that people don't keep coming down here quickly thinking they can go through. So Ian and I snapped too. And rather than meeting our wives at the halfway mark of the half marathon, we spent about the next 20 minutes uh, telling people in their cars uh, from the side of the road that they could not proceed forward. Uh, we. We had our lines down by the end of it. Uh, everything's, uh, 911's been called, EMS is on its way. Right now, we're just letting people know that you cannot proceed forward. Most people accepted this information graciously, considering. Um, however, I wasn't from the area, so I wasn't prepared for any of the secondary questions that got thrown at Ian and myself. Do you know how I'm supposed to get to work now? No, sir, I don't. I've given you all the information I have. It's like, do you know if the guy's all right? No, I don't. That is all the information I have. So we did that for 20 minutes. There was no one to dismiss us, but EMS showed up. We got back in the car. Weird Al Yankovic started playing again, waiting for us. And we went back and waited at the finish line. We would find out later that um, that, that man had been responsive. He had, he had made it into the, into the ambulance. And, well, the last thing that we had heard is that it seemed like things were going to be okay. Or at the very least, not the worst thing had happened. And it was all so surreal to go go from a half marathon to an emergency situation to a half marathon within the space of about an hour. 
And again, Ian and I were not the heroes of this situation. Obviously, the primary problem, we were too late to stop. We were just there to make sure no other secondary problems were happening on top of it. No one hired us, no one dismissed us. And I think this gets at the absurdity that is coming from Ecclesiastes. The absurdity of life that Ecclesiastes is getting at. Kyle, if you'd uh, go just a couple slides. Yeah. So we've been using this word a lot because it's been showing up a lot. There is something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. I believe we've touched on this, but the word meaningless, while not a terrible translation, doesn't really capture the original Hebrew. If you go to that next slide, the word that's being used is hevel. Everyone say hevel. 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 So when we read in Ecclesiastes, vanity of vanities, that's hevel hevelim. So what's hevel? This too, I say, is hevel. Next slide there. Hevel means smoke. Hevel means a puff of air that changes, that moves, that's here one minute and gone the next, that's temporary. It's actually the same name of a very famous biblical character. You may have heard of Abel, as in Cain and Abel fame. If you know your Hebrew, you would have known the spoiler that the man who is about to die is named Temporary Puff Smoke Man. <laughs> Hevel. It's right there on the tin. Now, when we say that life is Hevel, I think that's actually different and meaningfully different than saying life is meaningless. Here's what I mean. In the meaningless column, if I'm saying definitively that life is meaningless, I'm saying life has no purpose. Definitively, life is pointless. Hevel doesn't say quite that. Hevel says that there might be meaning, but life is too chaotic for us to know what its meaning is. It doesn't say life is pointless. It says life is random. Next slide, Kyle. I am going to argue that this is technically better. It is better to have a hevel world, a random world, a chaotic world, than a world that is without meaning. But if you get nothing else, I hope you ask yourselves the question, what am I doing the right thing for? Am I doing the right thing because I expect reward? Or am I doing the right thing because it's the right thing? Amen? Amen. So Hevel is better than meaningless, and here's why. Point number one. Life is Hevel. Everyone say Hevel. Uh, Life is hevel, but morality is real. Go to that next slide. 
There is something hevel that occurs on earth, the righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is hevel. Our teacher in the book of Ecclesiastes says that life is hevel. There's a lot of randomness and chaos. But do you see what he does here? He does not abandon righteousness and wickedness as concepts because of that. He's saying, yeah, life is chaos, but good and evil are still a thing. It's chaos, but it's not meaningless. Here's what I mean. Hevel does not dismiss the idea of good and evil as a spectrum, as realities which exist. It simply does not say, next slide, that that axis is the same axis as reward and punishment. Things that you do that are good will not necessarily be things that the world rewards you for. And things that you do which are evil are not necessarily things that the world will punish you for. But that doesn't mean they're not good or not evil. Okay, I'm a school teacher. Let me give you like the simplest example of morality I can think of. We tell students not to cheat on tests, right? That should be a pretty uncontroversial statement. However, I would be incorrect in saying it will go poorly for you always if you cheat on a test. Because technically, one of four things is gonna happen. You could do the right thing and ace the test by taking it honestly. You could do the right thing and fail the test by taking it honestly. You could do the wrong thing and be rewarded acing the test by cheating. That picture's a little small, but I thought that was genius. Someone printed a vitamin water label with all of the answers for their chemistry test on it and taped it to their vitamin water bottle. Brilliant. I'm never showing this to my students. I hope they never discover it. That might work. You might get a good score. The worst case scenario, of course, is when you are dishonest and you're punished. I failed the test by cheating. Wow, you don't even get the reward of knowing you did the right thing. You did the wrong thing and it didn't work out for you. So I know that all four of these things can happen. You can be punished or rewarded for good. You can be punished or rewarded for evil. And yet, it's my job as a teacher, as a, as a part-time preacher, to convince you that the right side of the quadrant is the good one. Kyle, would you go to that next one? Yeah, I'm trying to push you towards the yellow. But I cannot promise reward. I cannot promise Reward. Let's go to that next slide, Kyle. Because there's too much hevel. There's too much chaos for me to promise that. Anyone over the age of six knows that it doesn't always work out fairly. And so I think Ecclesiastes calls us to re-examine our motivations. 
are we doing the right thing because we want to be rewarded for it? It's not wrong to want rewards, but will we stop doing the right thing once we're no longer recognized? Will we stop speaking out against injustice when it doesn't get you more likes on social media? Will we stop when we're no longer rewarded for good behavior? The world is random, the world is hevel, but it is not devoid of meaning. Amen? Amen. There is meaning here. It is hard, it is random, it is chaotic, but there is meaning and there is morality. And these things matter because they have to. Second point. A hevel world is unfair. But that doesn't mean we have to be. The world is heaven, but we don't have to be. You guys can all probably think of times where you were not rewarded for doing the right thing. And again, on a small scale, I'm tested with this with my students because I like to be liked. I think most of us do. I like to be liked, and that puts me at odds with the fact that my job is forcing teenagers to learn how to write, which they don't want to do more often than not. But I believe it's the right thing to do I believe it will help them, but they do not always thank me for my efforts, for doing the right thing. And so I have to consider this. Is it my job as a teacher to get the students to like me? Or is it my job as a teacher to teach? Hopefully both will happen. I'd love it if both always happened, but there's too much heaven to assume that it always or even usually will. Again, we do good because it is good, not because it is profitable. The other thing I wanna tell you is that the world is hevel, but we don't have to be. A couple years ago, I, uh, I got to interview a guy who lives in uh, Corpus Christi, Texas named Jace Tunnel. His name is Jace Tunnel. And he is one of the most relentlessly positive men I've ever met. Which is interesting considering what he does for a living. Jace, in 2018, found a huge pile of nurdles on the beach. Does anyone know what a nurdle is? That's not married to me. All right, there's... <laughs> Julie, what's a nurdle? It's a little piece of plastic. Yes, it's a little piece of plastic. It's a microplastic. It's the smallest piece of plastic you can have that will be eventually melted down and reshaped into single-use water bottles. Nurdles. In 2018, Jace was walking down the beach, and he found an enormous pile of nurdles. 
microplastics washed up on the beach. And he thought, surely, this is a fair universe. This has to be someone's job. So he called the Coast Guard. The Coast Guard told him, this is not our job. This is an environmental thing. So he called the EPA. And the EPA said, this is not our job because nurdles are not technically classified as hazardous material. It's not like an oil spill. When these things wash up, they're just there. So everyone told Jace, Hevel, it is nobody's problem and therefore it is everybody's problem. There's nurdles on the beach. So Jace, rather than succumb to Hevel, he took to Facebook, where all of the best things happen. <laughs> he took to Facebook, and you know what? This time it worked. Uh, Jace started a Nurdle Patrol Facebook page and asked people to start not only collecting little pieces of plastic, but counting how many little pieces of plastic they collected. And he even worked out a metric for how many nurdles would be in a cup of nurdles. And he even worked out a metric for if you were walking down the beach and picked up nurdles for 10 minutes, could you calculate that to a rough nurdle area on that coastline? Nurdle Patrol exploded. It, began, it got to the point where hundreds of people were reaching out to Jace's personal email every day to tell him how many nurdles they had found. Eventually, they got a grant. Eventually, Jace reached out to someone to design a website, and to date, nerdlepatrol.org has received over 19,000 surveys documenting and collecting over 2.3 million nurdles along the coastlines. Why? Because this. Because the data that these people collect is now being used in legislation and plastics companies are being held accountable for some of the first time in their manufacturing history. Jace looked at his corner of Hevel, and he said, I'm going to stare at this thing until it makes sense. I'm going to mobilize. And I've asked Jace in interviews to broaden his view, and I'd say, Jace, what's your idea of an ideal world? And Jace would sort of pause for a second, and he said, man... You know, if we can just get these laws passed for the plastics companies and then it's like, okay, your only thing is nurdles. Like that's your, that's your one thing. But you know what? Jace is probably a happier man than me because he has chosen his corner of Hevel to wrestle into order. He's chosen to make the world make sense one plastic pellet at a time. The world is Hevel. The world is chaos. But every now and then, it throws us a bone. And every now and then, we're reminded that while the world is chaos, we don't have to be. Amen? The world is random and chaotic and uncaring, but we do not have to be.
My last point is that none of us should ever think we have to navigate the hevel alone. I don't think Nerdle Patrol would have gotten to 2.3 million Nerdles if Jace were still taking this through his personal email. The man was wise to outsource the project. It would have been harder. Teaching is harder when I don't get a chance to talk to my coworkers. When we know that the world is random and chaotic, we won't be as surprised when we're not rewarded. So I want to encourage you guys, when you know you've done the right thing, reward yourself. Don't wait for the world to. Find some way to congratulate yourself on the good that you've done. Even if it means you're alone in your office and you throw your fists up in the air, Reward yourself. Let your brain and your body know that good has been done today, even if it isn't recognized. Surround yourself with people who share these values, who will challenge you, yes, but also encourage you. Because the world is hard. The world is heavily. And if it's truly as random and chaotic as all that, we should be doing a better job at encouraging people who are doing the right thing. Amen? I was uh, listening to a, to a routine recently, a, a comedy routine, where a man was talking about parenting in this way um, as being very hevel hevelim. And he talked about parenting in the way that it's a lot like hiking. No one ever says, good job hiking. They just kind of say, keep hiking. (laughs) But if we can provide that kind of support to one another, that's so much more than the world will do on, on its own. Tell each other good job hiking. Tell each other when the right thing is done. Life is hevel, but morality is real. The world is hevel but we don't have to be. And none of us should ever have to navigate Hevel alone. I don't think I would have been waving down trucks if Ian hadn't been there with me. Come to that final slide there, Kyle. I'll try. The last couple minutes, I just want us to reflect. How can you prepare yourself this week to A, do good, and B, not be rewarded? And when you do good, or you see others doing good, how can you reward that? We do not navigate the heaven alone. To find out more about Redemption Church, visit redemptionbristol.org.